power. That is not natural power. It's supernatural power. Your family needs God's power. Your children need God's power. So our theme for the fast is God's presence, his plan, and his power. It took me ages to work on the three Ps. Give me a clap, please. Rightio. So it's a seven-day fast. Some have started already, but starting Monday that we all, uh, and I'm, I'm praying that we will all participate in some shape or form. So let's have a look at um, God's presence to draw near to God. James 4.8 says in the New King James Bible, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, when you take the time to draw near to God, God will draw near to you. It's a choice that we make on our journey of life, and fasting and praying is, is, is taking some time to go to another level where you want more of his presence to draw near to him. It's not just about not eating. It's not just about praying. It's about the desire to want to draw near to God so that he can draw near to us. Funny, uh, when I was in, um, I don't know why I'm telling you this, but never mind. When I was in New Zealand, uh, I have a sister, an older sister who likes to tease me and wind me up. And she uh, watched one of the streams and they were mimicking my things as I preach. It's just like, man, cheeky sister, man. So I'm a little self-conscious this morning. I'm trying to, I can't, ah, anyway. I tell you, I get persecuted, man. Anyway, draw near to God. We need his presence. Plan. How can we be the city on a hill that shines the light? We need the plan of God to know how to shine the light in this community. Jesus said this to Peter in Matthew 16, 18. And I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail it, prevail against it. You see, Jesus is the one building the church. We need to connect with his plan in order to live out how he wants to build his church. I am not smart enough. You are not smart enough. You might think you are, friends, but you're not. That's why Jesus had to come. And you need his plan. Everything all right, Zach? All right, I'm out of shot. Here we go. Oh, almost did you see that? Balanced. Um, power. We need the power of God to generate that outworking of the plan. Isaiah 20, uh, 10 verse 27 says this, And it will come to pass in that day that this burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. You see, when you get God's power, you get his touch or his anointing. And God's anointing is the thing that breaks the plans of the enemy. God's anointing or God's presence is the thing that sets people free. We need the power. In Acts 1.8, the Holy Spirit was promised that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the outermost parts of the world. That Pentecost, which, which, which we've looked at a few weeks ago, God wants us to have his power. And when we fast and pray, it's kind of going to another level. God, we need more power. So I'm just going to lay a little bit of a background about the wise. 
Now, I want to go into Nehemiah. Nehemiah, we've looked at before the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the king's cup bearer. And Nehemiah had asked some people who had been to Jerusalem. Nehemiah was in, uh, was in um, uh, Babylon or the Persian Empire because it wasn't the Babylonian Empire anymore. And he was working as the king's cup bearer. And some people came back from Jerusalem. And he said, how's it going for, this, for the people of God in Jerusalem? And the news was bad. The news was so bad that the walls that had meant to protect this uh, people of God had collapsed, basically, had, and the enemy has, was having free reign, bringing destruction. And when Nehemiah hears this, something happens. So I want to uh, just read Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4. This is Nehemiah after he had heard the bad news of the people of God. And when I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah was not directly affected by the problems. But for whatever reason, Nehemiah cried because he saw the damage that was happening to God's people. What did he do? Did he raise up an army? Did he create a new political power? Did he, you know, rush off to try and make an answer? No, Nehemiah cried because he was so sad that this had happened to the people of God. And then he entered into this thing that we are going to enter into called prayer and fasting, where he continually, over a period of days, cried out to God. Now, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at the fact that... uh, Truth as we know it is under attack. Our children are under attack and being trying to be taught by the state in other ways that this right is wrong and wrong is right. And that they are trying to infiltrate and to uh, shut the church down. And it's message that our government are trying to do that. And that the enemy is attacking truth. And that we as a church and a community and you as a parent need to be mindful of this attack coming against your children and that the walls of protection need to be built around our families, around our community to protect them from this onslaught. We are in desperate times, in fact, friends. In the same way Israel was in a desperate time, Nehemiah knew there was only one answer, and that was his God. And that's why he dropped to his knees and began to cry out to God. And to try cry out to God along with not eating. Because fasting is actually not eating. Now, it's funny, we are at the men's group a while back and we were talking about the fact that we're going to do a prayer and fasting and I was shocked by the men. I was shocked. Because I said, because yeah. they said to me, you know, last time we did this prayer and fasting, Keith, I thought, oh, they're going to give me a dose. You were too weak about it. You let people get off too easy. You know, because, you know, if you just fast the internet or you just fast, you know, TV. And it's like fasting is about actually not eating. And they said, give it to them. So it's not my fault. This is the men. Because they pressured me. Oh, I'm not telling you a lie. No. Anyway. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. What is prayer? Prayer is partial worship. Prayer is communication with God. And note I said with God. Because sometimes people think prayer is you just talk at God. 
Prayer is not talking at God. Prayer is in communication or conversing with God where it is a two-way street where you talk and you listen. And in fact, prayer should probably quite often be more listening than talking. So I want to emphasize with you, prayer through this prayer and fasting is not you talking at God, 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 I want this or I want that. Prayer is taking the time rather than eating to start listening, listening to him, listening to what he wants to say to you. And so you'll notice this is what Nehemiah does. What is fasting? To abstain from food according to uh, the actual meaning of the word. To specifically fast food. To deny the flesh desire to have a feed. Who loves eating? Some of you, I reckon you do. I, I can, there's evidence that you do like eating. I mean, I put a few kilos on when I was away. Um, but, flat, you know, like fasting is actually to deny the desire of the body to eat. And rather than eat, to crave spiritual food, to crave time with God, to crave his presence, to feed your spirit. So prayer, communication with God, two-way street, fasting is to not eat. Now, are we saying to all of you that over the next seven days you are not to eat? I'm not telling you that. That's not my job. I believe as a community and as a church, I am saying to you, it is time for us to take our situation very seriously and use the means that God has provided throughout history, throughout history, when the enemy has been rampant, when there seems to be no hope, that the church and in fact the Old Testament, there was this practice of going back to prayer and fasting. Some of you will fast for seven days and I encourage you, that's a fantastic thing. I ask you that you would participate. I would love that all would fast for seven days, you know, but I'm not going to put that on you. I'm just laying down to you the biblical process of it. Some of you have health challenges. You might be a diabetic. You might be this, you might be that. And um, my thing is that you participate in fasting some food. No worries. I know that, um, no, I'm going to be mean. I won't. Rightio, because I'm changing. Okay, so verse four, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before God. So verse four is going on. He's doing his thing. Then something interesting, then verse five comes. And verse five begins with the word, then I said, So there was a process that Nehemiah was going through where he was fasting, mourning, praying, crying out to God. Then something happened during the fast. Something happened to this man where he says, then. Then is a very important thing because then is part of a process because when the word then came in the scripture, the answer was on the way. You see, when you fast and pray, when you go through the process and the plan that God has laid down, there will be a path of thens. Do you understand? Then. See, it's almost like when I read this, it was like Nehemiah's doing this thing and then there came some kind of breakthrough where he knew what to do. Where he knew he must have been in uh, you know, conversation with the Spirit of God and he's God, 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 and he's listening. Then. See, there will come a then for you and I as you fast and pray. 
Because the then is about God giving the answer, because God gives the answer, because he is the answer, because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, he doesn't want to abandon us. He doesn't want to abandon you in whatever situation you're going on, whatever trouble is around you. He wants to give you the answer. Then, then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. God is a God of love. The old and the new God isn't some different God. God relates through love. He related through love in the old and he relates through love in the new. Nehemiah has an encounter and realizes that God is love. You see, when you fast and pray, when you spend time to get with him, he will reveal his character and his nature and it is not a judgment nature. It is a nature that its very essence is love. So when you take time to draw near to him and he draws near to you, you will encounter love. You will get an understanding that God loves me, that God loves his people, that God loves the world. Do you understand? Love, fasting and prayer reveals the nature of God. And that's why he's speaking it out. I mean, does God not know his love? But Nehemiah is revealing his revelation of who God is to God. Saying, I get it, God. You you love. God loves you. He loves your children. He loves whatever situation you are facing. He loves to bring the answer to you. God is an answer. God is the answer. Amen. Well, I did that. My sister wound me up about that. If you're watching, then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great awesome God who keeps his covenant. God keeps his covenant of love. And with those who love him and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant. The prayer of your servant is praying before you. Day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. And then he says this. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commandments, decrees, and the laws given by Moses. See, tell you one of the things that happens for me when I've done the fasting or I'm in the middle of it, is I begin to realize sometimes, well, often we are, part, we are the problem. And you see, I love that Nehemiah didn't say, you know, please forgive Israel, please forgive that fellow, please forgive, forgive that person. It was like, please forgive us. Do you understand? You are a sinner. And you know, I find that when I fast, the light of the Holy Spirit tends to look at my heart. And bring out things that maybe I wasn't aware of. And he makes me realize, you know what, mate? You're not as good as you think. Maybe the stuff that's happening around you is because you've been not quite walking the right way. You see, I believe that God wants us to understand. He wants us to take responsibility. You know, so when we fast and pray, there is a connection with the word called repentance. And I love it that the Bible tells me that repentance is actually a gift. Repentance is not something for you to be frightened about. 
In fact, repentance has come from the most incredible mind as a means in a way to get you out of your trouble and get you on the path that leads to life. I've had this kind of revelation over the last few months of this wonder of realizing repentance is basically owning my crap. You know? And it will lead us on a path of life. So part of prayer and fasting is to draw near to God and he draws draws near to us and then he will understand a bit more about who he is and he will remind us or even reveal a greater depth of his love for us and his love for this lost world. And not only that, prayer and fasting will lead you to a place of repentance. And he was repenting on behalf of his nation. He was repenting on behalf of his sins. And then it goes on and talks about the sins of my fathers. And that is kind of like that generational aspect of repentance. That, that's enough there because I don't want to get caught there. But you get what I'm saying? Friends, don't be frightened of owning your rubbish. Don't be the people who want to point the finger at everybody else. When you actually are quite possibly a little bit more ugly than the person you're judging. But don't be frightened of it. Now I want to move into the New Testament. That's the old. How long have I been going for? Done about 15, I reckon. Now let's move to the New Testament understanding of prayer and fasting. See, Nehemiah was in the Old Old Testament. Nehemiah... Uh, and the Bible is very, uh, what's it, uh, it's, it's the same in the old and the new when it comes to principles. God is love. The, old, the God of the Old Testament is love and the God of the new. And the principle of prayer and fasting is connected in the New Testament as well. So, and I want to look at the story in Mark nine eighteen through to 29. Now, Mark, uh, this the scripture, so Jesus was with... Uh, John, Peter, and James. And they'd been up the mountain. And they'd been up the mountain and uh, Jesus was transfigured into this amazing uh, thing of light. And these three men that were with him were like, because it was like the true nature of who Jesus was had been revealed to these three men. It's called the Mount of Transfiguration. Then they're coming down, and as they're coming down the hill, there's like a crowd at the bottom of the hill, and there's this commotion going on. And in the midst of this commotion, there are the scribes and the Pharisees, who are like the religious people, who were really quite badly hypocrites. And then there were his guides, his disciples, and then there was a man with a child that had some problems. And there was a whole lot of commotion going on and dispute. And then Jesus kind of walks into the middle of it. And what had happened was, um, this guy had a child who was... uh, had some problems of throwing himself down and going and convulsing in fits. Note the thing, there was a child involved. A child. And the disciples were unable to set the child free. And Jesus steps into the commotion of why the power of God had not set the child free. Quite interesting. Verse 18. And this is the father describing his son. And whenever he sees, it seizes him, It throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. 
uh, verse 19, so I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out. They thought it was a demon, but, you, but they could not. He answered them and said, this is Jesus' response. Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? Bit of frustration going on here. How long shall I bear with you? This is the Jesus who loves us. This is the Jesus who came and he's frustrated at a thing called unbelief. Because unbelief was some kind of problem that had prevented this kid who had a demon who the father was crying out for, who brought him to somewhere where he thought he might get an answer. But they had failed. Failure. And I've got to tell you, it is so interesting because I know that they had seen some miracles previous, but they hit this level that they couldn't get over. And uh, I know for us as a church that we have seen some good stuff happen. But I know that there have been times when there have been problems and situations that we have not had the goods, the power, the faith, or the authority to see what to see God's hand set something, you know, bring an answer. You understand? And see, we're at a place of desperation, friends. Because I don't want to stay where I am. I don't want our church to stay where we are. I want us to go to the level where we can actually be the answer. This is a parent too. This is a parent crying out for his child. And the the disciples just didn't have it. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Verse 20. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed. There was a reaction to power. There was a reaction to the anointing of Jesus Christ, that the devil began to activate whatever he had on this kid. Power encounter, friends. How long has it been happening to him? He said, from childhood. Uh, and often he has thrown, he has thrown them both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. The devil wants to destroy children. He wants to destroy yours. He wants to destroy the children of Victoria. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He's a desperate dad. Verse 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Verse 25, when Jesus saw the people, that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Verse 26, then the spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. Verse 27, but Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately. Now here's the thing. They knew they failed. Because the scribes and the Pharisees would have been telling them, you guys are rubbish. Look at that, you couldn't even deal with a demon. And these guys had failed to rescue a child from a desperate situation. And they come to Jesus, because they see Jesus set the kid free. A remarkable uh, miracle had taken place. And they are wondering, what 
Jesus, what's our problem? And he said to them, this kind come out by, can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. So interesting. You mean there was no other way? Because nothing, meaning there's, there's no other way means there's no other way. And friends, if we want to see a breakthrough, if we want to see God move, if we want to see our children and have the power as parents in the community to protect our kids and to push the devil back, there is no other way. Do you understand? See, prayer and fasting is a powerful tool to see the power of God and the authority of God move in difficult situations. There is no other way. Prayer and fasting, I was trying to think of, you know, because it doesn't say just pray, or it doesn't just say fast. It connects the two. Prayer and fasting. And so I was thinking, what's a good word to describe the connection with prayer and fasting? So I came up with this word, the dynamic duo. Prayer and fasting together are like the dynamic duo. Remember Robin and Batman? And uh, I, I like it, I don't know. Dynamic, dynamic duo. Friend, don't you want the dynamic duo? Don't you want to do the things that you know that your authority will grow and that your power in order to protect your family and to speak life over your kids or whatever situation, don't you want the dynamic duo? Don't you want to participate? Don't you want to shut the flesh down? Don't you want to let God speak into your life and show you the parts that dude are not right? Don't you want that gift of repentance? And get on that path that brings life to those situations. Some of you have family that are in places you wish they weren't. Some of you are in places you wish you weren't. Some of you have children. Prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting smashes the wall of failure. You know that? Prayer and fasting smashes the wall of failure. I love it. I am good to you. I'm giving you the opportunity. (laughs) I love the smile, kind of half there, half not. You understand, I'm so enthusiastic about it. I, I love eating. I hate fasting. I don't like it. It's like, oh God, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not enthusiastic about it until I understand what it can do. And there have been moments in pickers in my life where we've had to do that in order to go to a higher level, in order to see something change, in order to see failure be smashed. And it works. It works. There was a problem with a lack of faith. Prayer and fasting. Because you get into a space with God. Because you get into a space with the creator of the universe where you're in communion with him. Where you're taking the time to feed your spirit will change you and it will increase your belief in what he can do. Because according to that, he was saying to them, with faith nothing is impossible. 
Whatever impossibility is around your life, with faith, nothing is impossible. If you can believe, all things are possible. Authority. Why, how come the demon was just able to have that kid and just stay in that kid and the disciples in the name of Jesus get out and it didn't work? Because they didn't have the authority. They didn't have the anointing on them like they needed. They didn't have the hand or the touch of God. You know, you go back to the book of Nehemiah when Nehemiah... Um, does his prayer and fasting, and um, he prays that prayer, and then he something changed because he gets favor with the leader of a nation. Nehemiah describes it of the gracious hand of God went with me. Whatever he did, there was massive, amazing provision, and uh, he was able to get a whole bunch of people to, to do the job. And not only that, even when the devil came, he had the answers for the devil. Because the gracious hand of God went with them. And see, when we pray and fast, when we allow God to have the time to communicate with us in our very busy lives, see, when you, if, when you don't eat, don't just sit there and don't eat. Take the time to commune with him. Take the time to sit with him and let him talk to you, because I guarantee he will. Take the time to let him say to you, you know what, that's not good. You know what, let's sort this out. Um, And then, you'll experience his love, your faith will grow, and the authority. So, how many people are keen? Let's all throw our hands up if we're keen. Rightio, I just want to inspire us as a church, okay? I am excited about what this will produce. I am excited about what it will produce in my life. I'm excited in what it will produce in the authority on us as a church and our level of faith. I'm excited to see the breakthroughs come in your lives for your children, for your mum, your dad, your husband, your wife, whatever. And the cool thing is, it is God's answer. All right? Can I have an amen? Amen. Excellent. Can I have an amen to use on the stream? Very good. (laughs) All right, I'm just going to pray a prayer. And um, and don't forget too, on the Sunday, I really want to encourage you, man, to, we want to have a celebration. I love Andrew was saying, man, we need a celebration at the end of it. We need a big feed. And we were like, yeah, well, we'd do something at your house, have a fun. He said, no, let's do it at church with everybody. So I really want to encourage you next Sunday, come to church. Hopefully they'll let everybody come. We are hoping that Cobram will be able to come over. But, you know, we're not going to be able to call that for a few days. And then we'll have a celebration and have a lovely meal together. Awesome. So, Father, yeah, that's good. So, Father... Man, without you, we can do nothing. But with you, nothing is impossible. I thank you right now, Lord, there is something changing. There is a hope and a sense of faith 
as we enter into this time of separating our lives to be with you, to feed our spiritual person. I pray for each and every person that is listening, that they would understand and hear from you whatever you want them to fast, Lord, how long, what food, what meals, whatever. That there would come instruction from you, Holy Spirit, because you're the wise one. You know what our bodies can cope with. And Lord, I also pray that there would be strength through each life as we fast, that you would give us spiritual strength and the determination to, to do the journey through it. And I pray for revelation of you, Holy Spirit, that Lord, you would allow us to see maybe the bits that aren't right in our lives and that we can sort it out with you and that we can cry out for repentance for our nation of Australia. And that, Lord, we can cry out for repentance for the state of Victoria. And that, Lord, we can cry out for repentance of the sins of our forefathers. And, Lord, that freedom will come. And, Lord, for revelation of the plans that you have that are good to prosper. Plans for us as a church to be the light, the city on a hill, Lord. That, Lord, that there would come vision in each heart and life about what you want them to do on behalf of you. And God, that we would receive power from on high. That God, we would receive the authority that is in the name of Jesus Christ. That Lord, the devil would flee when we lay hands on people, when we speak your name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.